to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. Get ready for your life to be changed by today's message from Pastor Luke Remington. God bless you. It's so good to be with you this morning. Amen. It's a good day to be alive if you're alive. Listen, it's a privilege to to speak to you all this morning. It's really a privilege, first and foremost, to, to be able to serve at this great church and this is, this is one of the greatest churches in this nation, and it's an honor to be able to serve you, to serve your young people here. I, I thank you for that opportunity. Listen, but we need to take about 10 seconds, and we need to show honor, even though they're not here, to the greatest pastors in America, Pastor Jeremiah and Lisa Hosford. Can we bless God for the angels of this house? Pastor, we love you. I love you. We're glad to be here. We honor you. We bless you this morning. Listening, this morning I get the distinct honor to continue speaking on what, uh, what our pastor's been speaking on for the last two months, the Holy Spirit, amen. How many of you have been blessed by this series, learning about the Holy Spirit, learning about the manifestations? I'm thankful for a church that doesn't just preach about the Holy Spirit, but provides an environment to encounter the Holy Spirit. If you, if you listen to the preached word of God, but don't encounter the God of the preached word, it's like eating Thanksgiving dinner without the pumpkin pie you miss the best part. I'm thankful we are part of a church that prioritizes the presence and the encounter of Almighty God. Amen. Listen, today would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. We've got about five places of Scripture for you. Luke chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water. But one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat. Everybody shout wheat. Oh, come on, shout wheat like you got the Holy Ghost. Okay, we're getting there. And gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 says this, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Everybody shout power. Power. Now I feel like I'm in a Pentecostal church. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all, everybody say all, filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Two more places and then you can be seated. John chapter 4 verse 35 says, Do you not say... There are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest, everybody say harvest, truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. This morning, I want to preach a message simply entitled Harvest. 
the purpose of Pentecost. Can we pray and help welcome the Holy Spirit into the room? I don't want you to watch me pray. I want you to help me pray, church. Are you ready? Father, in Jesus' name, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you woke us up this morning, oh God. Thank you, oh God, that if we are not dead, you are not done. So Father, I speak death to hopelessness and despair. I speak death, oh God, to everything that has tried to hold the people of God back this morning. And I pray, almighty God, that your presence would begin to wash over this place like a mighty rushing river, oh God. I pray that you would begin to wash away cancer. I pray that you would begin to wash away childhood hurts. I pray that you would begin to wash away all things, oh God, that have kept us bound and kept us out of the will of God and the purpose of God for our lives this morning, oh God. I pray that you would raise up people, you would raise up mighty men and women of God to take part in the greatest revival that this earth has ever seen, God. Make our hearts burn for the harvest to be reaped, oh God. Whatever you're doing in this place, Jesus, we ask, don't do it without us. Now, Father God, we remove all limitations that anybody has set on you. If we've limited you, God, we remove it and we say, come do what only you can do, God. I pray that while I speak, hide me behind the shadow of your cross. Though they see me, let them hear you. Holy Spirit, I pray, draw people as only you can. Today, let the lost be saved. Let the sick be healed. Let the bound be set free, God. Oh, Lord, I pray today, baptize your people again in the Holy Spirit and fire. Call people, oh God, that have been sitting on the sidelines onto the back field again. Father God, in Jesus' name, don't let us leave the same way that we came. As we bow, oh God, our heads and our hearts in your presence, we submit to your will. We submit to your way. We submit to your word. We say, come do whatever you want to do in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. amen. Listen, before you're seated, I need you to shout harvest. harvest. Look at your neighbor, say harvest. harvest. Look at your second choice, say harvest. harvest. You can be seated. Harvest. The purpose of Pentecost. The purpose of Pentecost. This morning, I want to tell you that through this word, God is about to release an anointing in your life that will radically touch you and make you never the same again. I, I, I found that for far too long, we have received an anointing at an altar, but we have failed to build altars in our life. So though we have answered altar calls, we have never answered the true call of God to build an altar in our hearts. And this morning, God is releasing an anointing to some of you that you're going to take what you receive at the altar and learn how to release it in your life. Because it's not God's will for you to encounter him in this place, but live distant away from him, live distant from him away from this place. Say amen to that. Listen, this morning, I just want to preach about the harvest, but I need you to give me about five minutes of teaching to set this up. Is that okay? If that's okay, say yeah. yeah. Listen, I've preached on four continents and in several states, conferences, conventions, crusades, and services, but I've never preached in a suit. So you finally got me in a suit. I hope you're happy, everybody. Look at there. We get to experience this together. If I break my top button, don't, don't call me out. Just let it be. Just the button got slain in the Holy Ghost. It's not because I'm over. Listen, okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, just give me five minutes to set this up and I promise we're going to preach. But when we hear the term Pentecost, we might think of many different things. We might think of a denomination. We might think of tent revivals and camp meetings and long hair and long skirts. We might think of many different things. We might think of an organ playing behind a preacher. We might think of old-time southern church. When we hear Pentecost, we might think of potlucks and fried chicken, amen, because Pentecostals can eat. Because you starve us halfway through the service, so when by the time we actually do get to eat, my gosh, it's like World War III. I'm telling you, I, I want to know what the buffet people feel like when the Baptists come through and they think it's over with. And then two hours later, 
There's a bunch of Pentecostals drenched in sweat, eating up everything. Amen. Listen. When you hear Pentecost, you might think of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. You might hear uh, Pentecost and think of prominent ministers. You might think of Jimmy Swaggart or Jim Baker or Rod Porcelain. You might think of prominent Pentecostal ministers, uh, Smith Wigglesworth. You might think of different people, Kenneth Copeland. You might think of a million different things when you hear Pentecost. But I want to tell you that while all these things are great, most of them should be honored and practiced Pentecost means none of these things. Pentecost is not a denomination. Pentecost is not a way of having church. Pentecost is not even the manifestations of the Spirit. What does Pentecost mean? Well, the literal word Pentecost means 50 or 50th day. Pentecost is the Greek name for one of the Jewish feasts named Shavuot. Everybody say Shavuot. You tried. Good job. Or the Feast of Weeks. It's called Pentecost because this feast is celebrated 50 days after the Jewish feast of Passover or Pesach. I'm not even going to make y'all say that because you might mess around and cuss on accident. We're trying to stay sanctified. There are seven yearly feasts that God commanded Moses and the children of Israel to observe under the Old Covenant. Three of those feasts were called pilgrimage feasts. Everybody say pilgrimage. Because all Jews were commanded to go to the temple and not to stand before the Lord empty-handed. Deuteronomy 16, 16 says this, Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Tabernacles. They shall not, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Three pilgrimage feasts, Passover and Unleavened Bread, Shavuot, Pentecost, and trumpets and tabernacles. I'm not going to say the Hebrew name because, I mean, I don't know it. But trumpets and tabernacles. All of these feasts celebrated and commemorated major events in the history of Israel. What did they celebrate and commemorate? I'm glad you asked me that. Passover. This feast celebrated God bringing the children of Israel out of the bondage and the land of Egypt. Many of you know the story. God commanded the children of Israel while they were under the bondage of Egypt. He said, place the blood of the lamb on your doorpost and your lentils, and I will send the death angel. And if the death angel sees the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and lentils of your house, he will pass you over. And what happened is God sent the death angel, and he struck dead the firstborn of the land of Egypt. And it caused Pharaoh to finally let God's people out of bondage. So now when we celebrate Passover and unleavened bread, the Jews are celebrating how God through the blood of the lamb brought them out of Egypt and out of slavery number two Pentecost Shavuot this feast celebrated the giving of the law on Mount Sinai this is what the feast of Pentecost was when the law was given on Mount Sinai there was fire wind and smoke and 3,000 people were struck dead at the sight of God Pentecost also marked the beginning of the yearly wheat harvest. Everybody say harvest. When Pentecost came, it marked the beginning of the harvest. The third pilgrimage feast is tabernacles and the feast of trumpets leading up to tabernacles. And this feast starts by uh, blowing trumpets and it, it, is to, it is to signify repentance and, and inner reflection leading to the day of atonement. And then tabernacles, Sukkot, it serves as a reminder of how God dwelt with the Israelites in the wilderness and in the tabernacle. It also, watch this, marks the end of the wheat harvest, everybody say harvest, and the beginning of the ingathering of the harvest. 
Pentecost marks the beginning of the harvest. Tabernacles marks the time where you bring in what has been harvested. Say harvest. Now, all of these feasts had much significance in the old covenant, but they have fulfillment in Christ in the new covenant. Colossians 2 verse 16 says this, So let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Just give me five minutes to set this up. We can look at old covenant shadows and understand new covenant fulfillment. Passover is fulfilled in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The blood of the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world and leads us out of the bondage of the world. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, I just want to let you know that they left with silver and gold, and that means the blood of Jesus has power to bring us into prosperity. Give me 15 seconds to meddle. It's not God's will for you to be broke as a joke and can't rub two nickels together. He is still the God that is able to bring you out. Passover is fulfilled in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But Pentecost is fulfilled 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus when the Holy Spirit and fire was poured out in Acts chapter 2 upon those who believed in Jesus. In that day, the noise was a roar from the upper room of cloven tongues of fire resting on the disciples. There was a sound of a rushing mighty wind and the fire of God resting upon people. In this day, 3,000 people were saved when in the old covenant, 3,000 people died. See, under the old covenant, 3,000 people died at the sight of God, but under the new covenant, 3,000 people were saved at the sight of the Spirit of God sending upon his people. But just as Pentecost in the old covenant marked the beginning of a great harvest, Pentecost in the new covenant marked the beginning of a great harvest. Now the, 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 the Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of Tabernacles, these are going to be fulfilled when the rapture happens. The Bible says in that day a tr the trump of God will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first and those that are alive and living shall be called up and meet them in the air and forevermore they shall be with him. Trumpets will be fulfilled when Jesus comes back from his church and the harvest of wheat is brought into the tabernacle and God dwells with men forever. Amen. Pentecost marks the beginning of harvests. Trumpets and tabernacles marks the end of the harvest and the ingathering of the harvest. The time between Pentecost and trumpets is all about harvest. Everybody say harvest. What are you saying, Pastor? I am saying that Pentecost has been and always will be about the harvest. Harvest is the purpose of Pentecost. Listen to me, church. We are now in a great time of harvest. We are in a time where God is looking to pour out revival across the nations and bring in a harvest of people that were lost and broken. And he is saying now is the time to gather the harvest. We're in a time of great harvest. We are living in the time of harvest between Pentecost and trumpets. Because friends, let me unequivocally say the fulfillment of the Feast of Trumpets is coming soon. Jesus Christ is coming back. If you cannot look at this world and discern that Jesus Christ is coming back, then I promise you, you... Thank you, Holy Ghost. You might not know your anatomy from a hole in the ground. Amen. Listen. If you can't look at this world and discern Jesus Christ is coming back, I don't know what to tell you, but let me unequivocally say that we are living in the last days. Soon and very soon, Jesus says in Revelation 22, verse 12, And behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. There is no question about it. 
We are living in the shadow of the return of the Lord. The Apostle John says this, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, Little children, it is the last hour. John said it's not even the last day, it's the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. By which we know that it is the last hour. Listen, Pastor Luke, people have been saying this for years and years and years. I grew up hearing this and Jesus has not came back yet. Things have gotten worse. Can I tell you, this mindset is even more indicative. We're living in the last days. Second Peter chapter 3 says this. Knowing this, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were. From the beginning of creation. Friends, I want to stop this message and tell you the king is coming soon. He's not coming to take sides. He's coming to take over. I want to tell you, God is not a registered Republican or a registered Democrat. He is not interested in democracy. It's a monarchy. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is the one who was and is and will always be. Body of Christ is divided over politics. Have you forgot that we are under one name? We are under the name of Jesus. That means we do vote values and we do vote the Bible, but our allegiance is not on a ballot or in a voting booth. It's in him. That means our ties run deeper than the division of politics among us. That means we can look at the Bible and say, this is what we stand on and this is what we believe. And if they get it right, then we'll vote with them. And if they get it right, then we'll vote with them. But if it contradicts this word, I stand on this first. I I just want to remind you that we're part of a different kingdom and we serve a different king. I I think one of the best things COVID ever did was it caused people to understand that Things that really don't matter that consume us so much can all be gone like that. Some of you, no offense, that have uh, uh, kept your children and family out of church because you wanted to play sports. What you do now? Field shut down. How fast did that get taken away? Imagine when you stand before Jesus and he says, I wanted to call your 16-year-old son to ministry at the altar, but you had him out there trying to make sure his RBI was right. I, I wanted to call your daughter into the ministry, but you had her out there learning how to do backflips and cartwheels and everything else. And I'm not against sports, but when sports comes against the kingdom of God, friend, I'm just here to tell you, you need to keep the main thing the main thing because Jesus is coming back. In this season, everything that doesn't matter faded away. And that's why some of you ain't been back to church. Because it didn't matter before and it doesn't matter now. We found out what was essential. Uh, We found out what we couldn't live without. And friends, I found out we could live without everything, but we cannot live without the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church of the living God. We're a part of the only thing that's going to make it. Uh, oh, don't give me 15 seconds. The school system ain't going to make it. The ball field ain't going to make it. Your job's not going to make it. This is the only thing that though heaven and earth may pass away, this will not fade. We're a part of a different kingdom and we serve a different king and we're living in times of great harvest because Jesus is coming back. Uh, I found it and I'm not... Don't, don't, I'm going to say this clearly so you can't mistake what I'm saying. I have no idea when or where Jesus has come back and it is coming back and it can happen at any time. It can happen tomorrow, now, five years from now. 
But if he's following the pattern he set out, if he, if he died during Passover and poured out the Spirit during Pentecost, the rapture is going to happen during the Feast of Trumpets. If he's following the pattern, and he doesn't have to. But friends, I want you to know, what if it was this year, the Feast of Trumpets starts in six days? What if this was, that's not even time to come to another Sunday service. What if this was the last time you were ever in the house of the Lord before the trump of God sounded? What would you be left with, friends? Would you be left knowing that you wanted to get out of here because you thought the food was going to get cold? I got I to move on, friends. God in his grace has allowed us to live in this time of great harvest. And I want you to understand, Pentecost is not a past event. We are now living in Pentecost. Uh, Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit was poured out, we saw the beginning and the fulfillment of the new covenant, Pentecost. Listen to what the Apostle Peter spoke at the beginning of the new covenant, Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 21. While you're turning there in your Bible, shout harvest. But Peter... Standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose. Can I tell you, the religious will always mock the move of God. They accuse them of being drunk. Be careful of what you put your mouth on. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Watch this. And I will show wonders in heaven above. And signs in the earth, earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood. Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're thankful for that, give him a hand clap. But we can still call on his name. Peter on this day stood up and declared the fulfillment of Pentecost in the outpouring of the Spirit upon God's people. And in the new covenant Pentecost that was fulfilled on that day, we now are in the time of harvest. God poured out his power at Pentecost to begin the harvest. What does this mean, Pastor? I don't get it. Listen, very simply, the purpose of the new covenant Pentecost is the harvest of souls. Very more, put simpler, I don't even know if that's a word. But you know what I mean? It's not good English, but it's good preaching. To make it more simple, we've been given Pentecostal power for a Pentecostal task. We've been given a last day's power to possess a last day's promise. We've been given an end time anointing to reap an end time harvest. The new covenant Pentecost, the purpose of the new covenant Pentecost is the harvest of souls. And that means the power we receive through the Pentecostal experience of being baptized in the Holy Ghost is to preach the gospel and to reap the harvest. Here's what I want to talk about today in this wonderful spirit-filled church. I fear many of us have missed the purpose of Pentecost. Tongues is not the purpose of Pentecost. It's a byproduct, but it is not the purpose. 
He poured out power for us to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. He does not just delight in us speaking in tongues at an altar if we don't preach the gospel in English. The Pentecostal experience is about the harvest of souls. The manifestations of Pentecost, though they are wonderful and though we should practice them, are not the purpose. The Spirit was giving for the preaching of the gospel and the salvation of souls. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, watch this. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. Because. There's a purpose. He didn't say the Spirit of the Lord is on me. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus said the Spirit was on Him because, listen, there is a purpose. And can I tell you, friends, the purpose is not to fall out and roll around and have a Pentecostal service. I got to be honest, it's a great thing, but it's not the main thing. It's a byproduct. Let me explain this very simply. Uh, let's say that uh, God gave you a Ferrari, a brand new Ferrari. And uh, let's say that you got this Ferrari and it's got all these nice things. It's got the stereo system. It's got the intricate leather interior. It's got heated and cooled seats. I don't even know what's in a Ferrari. Okay, so I have a Frontier. It's got the same first letter, but I mean... A little different. But I imagine it's probably pretty nice, amen, for that, that cost. Listen. But let's say God gave you a Ferrari. And you went and you cranked that Ferrari up. And you listened to that motor. And you said, man, listen to that sound. You hear that? And, and somebody says, well, man, how fast does it go? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. I just cranked it up and listened to it run. You see, the sound that the Ferrari makes is, power of the, is evidence of the power that's under the hood. But nobody buys a sports car to crank it up and listen to it run. You, you, you buy it so you can get in it and press the gas and go somewhere. And can I tell you, the baptism in the Spirit is not so people can listen to you speak in tongues. It's so you can go somewhere and advance the kingdom of God on this earth and watch as people are saved and miracles are worked through your hand. How ridiculous would it be? I love the sound of this Ferrari, but you never go anywhere. Do you know that the first half of the word gospel is Go. Sit is nowhere in the gospel. We have been given a Pentecostal power for a Pentecostal task. And the reason for the baptism in the Holy Spirit poured out on the day of Pentecost is nothing other than to go and reap the harvest of souls Jesus has called us to go get. Amen. Listen, the reason is to go and do the work of the kingdom. It's to preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick and cast out devils. Mark chapter 16, verse 17 says this. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. They will drink, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You have been given the spirit for a purpose. I, I got to move on. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Listen. Listen. 
Every person under the sound of my voice has been called to be a part of reaping the harvest. We revisit John chapter 4 verse 35. Do you not say... There are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for the harvest. Matthew chapter 9 verse 37. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Friends, can I tell you, we are by no means waiting on God. God is waiting on somebody who will respond to the call and to the word of his, uh, to the word of the Lord and say, God, here I am, send me. Friends, I want to tell you that he put each of us here for right now. Uh, you got to understand, I, I want to stop for a minute because I don't know, I think you missed what I said. Pastor Timothy, he could have put the Apostle Paul in Abundant Life Church, but he didn't. He could have put Peter in Abundant Life Church, but he didn't. He could have put Elijah, Elisha, Moses. He could have put the prophet Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, and even Joel. But he didn't. He put you right here for this time. Amen. Esther chapter 4 verse 14 says this. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. If you don't value your anointing, God will strip it and give it to somebody else who does. Preacher, can I be clear with you? That call to preach won't always be there if you keep shunning it. Now, he'll always have called you because the gift and callings of God are without repentance. But if he can't use you, he'll pass you by. Yet, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Listen, friends, I don't know who you are and I don't know what you've done, but this is what I know. I know that in this time of harvest, God has a plan, a purpose, and a destiny for your life. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. He chose to put you here in this time for a specific kingdom assignment and a specific part in reaping the harvest of souls. I'm going to get ahead of myself, but it's okay. I feel like I need to. Well, that's, uh, that's that youth pastor up there because they don't know how to preach about anything other than telling people they can do all these great things. And Can I tell you, friend? The fact that your theology is spot on, but you ain't told nobody about Jesus in four months. You don't have what you think you have. I tell you, God delights more in the sixth grader the other Wednesday night who got so powerfully baptized in the Holy Ghost that he didn't, he listen, he didn't know how to explain it. He didn't know what to say, but he walked into youth on Wednesday night dragging his friend behind him and he brought his friend to the altar and he says, Pastor Luke, he wants what I have. He don't know about covenants. He don't know about tithing. He don't know about offering. What he knows is I have found life. And yes, friends, I tell you, God is more pleased with the sixth grader that don't know how to pray and don't know how to read the word of God, but knows that he has found the source of life. And he says, I will bring everybody I know here. You can be as theologically straight as a gun barrel and just as lifeless as one too. Friends, I want to tell you, I, I, I fear many of us have missed the purpose of Pentecost. I fear that we've sold it short. And I want to respectfully submit to you this morning that a Pentecostal who speaks in tongues but does not preach is useless. 
Uh, if your theology is correct but you haven't told anybody about Jesus, you're missing it, friends. Because I believe when you truly get touched with this baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, you can't keep it in. I've never met anybody with the Holy Ghost that can keep it quiet. Jeremiah chapter 20 verse 9 says this. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of it, of holding it back. And I could not, friends, if you can hold it in, I really don't think you got what you think you got. If you can get around lost and broken people and something on the inside of you is not crying out to bring the gospel of Jesus to them, you need to come to this altar and cry out for the baptism in the Spirit once again. Friends, I'm so sick and tired of having good services. And I've told my youth this like a million times. I'm so over a good service. I'm sorry. I'm so over Holy Ghost party. I'm just over it, man. I want a move of God that would begin to touch people. And we wouldn't experience revival at the altar. We would experience revival in the street. Friends, I want to tell you, if we can sit in a church building while our streets are burning with violence and rioting and looting and not take the gospel, we have missed the point of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We've missed it. Oh, I feel like punching it. Just to, It is not a Pentecostal stamp of elitism. Pentecost is not a denomination. It's a movement for hungry and broken people who say, God, I want your power because I can't stand the thought of people around me dying and going to hell anymore. It's a movement of broken people who would say, Lord, I know I'm messed up. I know I'm jacked up, but here I am. If you can use anything, God, use me. I... Thank God you got baptized in the Spirit in 1972. Some of you was 1492 because you got baptized when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. But you ain't told a single person about what you got. You ain't told a single person about Jesus. Friends, I'm sorry and I don't mean to be mean, but you've missed it. That's all I can say is you've missed it. And I... I fear for this because the, the enemy has gotten Pentecostals and people who are filled with the Spirit so convinced that we're the only ones it belongs to. Can I tell you, you do not have a monopoly on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If, 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 if the Baptists and the Methodists and the Presbyterians get hungry and cry out, God will fill them because he's not looking for people who are willing to speak in tongues. He's looking for people to equip who are willing to preach the gospel. I want to say it. I was going to end with it, but I want to say it now. One thing that I have told my youth time and time again for six months is I don't even want a move of God anymore. I need a movement. I'm so sick of a move. I need a movement. A move stops and a move starts and it stops. But a movement of God is a perpetual, ongoing, continual cycle of outpouring. I'm so sick of Wednesday night altar calls and Thursday morning death. I'm longing for a move of God that would touch people and change this world we got to move past a good moment we have monopolized the gifts and the baptism in the Holy Spirit and treated them like a Pentecostal sideshow well, my church falls out so we're better than you my church speaks in tongues we're better than you let me tell you something friends I am not dissing the manifestations and the, and the gifts of the Spirit at all. What I am dissing 
It's us using God for our entertainment on Sunday morning and not carrying out the Great Commission uh, Monday through Saturday. That's what I am dissing. Make no mistake about that. And friends, if you're convicted, come to the altar. Don't send me an email. Because I promise you, I got time. I'll send you scripture back. I'm not trying to be mean and I'm not trying to be rude, but what I am trying to do is kick religious devils because let me tell you, religion hides better in a Pentecostal church than anywhere else. Because if you can lift your hands and fit in, they won't know that your heart's really not in this thing. You can fall out and speak in tongues and hata and shata and baba, but you can do all that, but you can't preach the gospel in the streets. It's Pentecostal religion, friend. You are no better than the Baptist and the Methodist who sits there with their arms crossed in the presence of God. You're ashamed of what you claim to love. It's religion, friend. I thank God. When worship goes an hour and a half, that's heavenly. It is. Laughter, like holy laughter, falling, it's heavenly. I love it. But it's not the reason for Pentecost. It's a byproduct, buddy. You're, you're cranking the car up, not going anywhere. You, you have missed the purpose. Listen, I, a few weeks ago, we had nine teenagers filled with the Holy Spirit. Music wasn't playing. Nobody was hyping them up. They were, half of them weren't even lifting their hands. They were wide-eyed in the presence of God because they didn't know how to respond, but they didn't respond with emotions. They responded with their life, and God poured out because he's not looking for the lifting of your hands. He's looking for the submission of your heart. He doesn't want you to bless him with your lips. He wants you to surrender your life. And young men and women of God, the reason that, that they're on fire, the reason that, that, that the young people can receive is because they still have reckless abandon left in them. They still have something inside of them that says, God, I know I'm young. I know I don't know anything, but here I am. And the older we get and the more we're around this thing and the more we know what's going to happen and the more we... We, we hang, hang around Pentecost. The drier and the deader and the more complacent we become. Listen, friends. I just need to tell you that we got to move past a good moment because God's taking us from a moment to a movement. We need an old school, soul-saving revival. Can I tell you, revival is not marked by anything other than souls being saved. It's not marked... By somebody even getting filled with the Spirit, it's marked when that person gets filled with the Spirit and goes to preach the gospel and sees souls get saved. I believe every person in here can change the world unequivocally. I, matter of fact, I believe God's called every person in here to change the world unequivocally. But you can start by changing the world for one person. You, you really could start by sharing the gospel with the person who sits next to you at work. You could start by going into angles and saying, God, I know I'm in here to get ribs and chicken, but can you show me one person to preach the gospel to? I, I do. I make, listen, I make no apologies about telling teenagers that God is going to use them to change the world. But what I'm saying is even though God wants to use us to change the world, we got to start by changing the world for one person at a time. If everybody in here brought one person to church next week, I promise you that would be revival. Because I don't know, there looks to be about 300 to 400 people in here. That would be 800 people in here next week. And I promise you at least half of them would get saved. Just start with one person. Listen, I got to move on and I, I got I to quit. But the purpose of Pentecost is the harvest of souls. And I just want to help somebody out right now who says, well, well not me, no way. 
No way that I'm called. No way that I can do that. No way that's going to be me. Friend, I, I don't know why I feel the, the urge to say this, but you might look at me up here in a, in a suit, in a blue suit, and think I look good, and I think I do too. I appreciate that compliment. You might see me up here right now, but you didn't see me when I was behind bars in a jumpsuit. You didn't see me when I was lost and when I was broken, when I was addicted, and when everybody thought that I had no chance in hell to do anything with my life. You should have seen me back then, and I promise you, speaking from experience, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter where you've been, and it doesn't matter how far you have fallen short. Today, if you'll repent and get your life right, Jesus Christ will fill you with his precious Holy Spirit and use you to do things that you never thought possible, friend. Friend, I'm here to tell you that the more messed up you are, the more God wants you. I, I, I want to tell you real quick, maybe you don't believe you can take part in the reaping of the harvest. I want you to know that the more messed up you are, the more glory God gets of using you for great things. Friend, this is what I want to tell you this morning. The attacks you face in your life is proof positive of the anointing on your life. Lucifer recognizes the anointing. He had it at one time. Most theologians believe that, well, he was a worship leader, but most theologians believe that literally as he walked, instruments would play. As he walked, his chest cavity would open up and, and stringed instruments would begin to play and, and, and bring worship to God. He was Jesus' right-hand man. He knows what the anointing looks like. And the reason that you have experienced the attacks and the setbacks and everything that has come against you is because the devil can recognize what God has placed on your life. Hold on for just a second, Mike. Thank you so much. I'm going to need you in just a second. Friends, I just want to assert this to you today and then I'm done. I just want to, I want to assert this to you today and then I'm done. Friend, God is calling us to take part in the greatest revival this world has ever seen. Albert Einstein said, says this, in the midst of difficulty lies opportunity. And in this difficult season, God is revealing heavenly opportunity for you and I to answer the call and respond to the word of God and do the will of heaven on earth. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14 says this, Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you life. So I want to talk to you for just a second, and then I'm going to give an altar call. The purpose of Pentecost is the harvest. I don't know if you're old school Pentecostal in here and you've been baptized in the Spirit for the last 30 years. God bless you for that. When's the last time you have told somebody about Jesus? Maybe, maybe, maybe you're at the point of, hey man, I, I've went about a year and a half and I, I genuinely have told no one about him. Friend, I want to tell you this morning, you need to get right. I'm not judging you and I'm not condemning you, but I am saying, if you don't get serious about preaching the gospel in these last days, you have absolutely missed the purpose of the spirit you've been given. So just everybody bow your heads and close your eyes with me. This morning, if you will allow him, God is going to radically touch some of you that you're, so much that your life will never be the same. This morning, if you allow him, God will bring life to the dead places on the inside of you. This morning, if you allow him, Holy Spirit is going to begin to fill some of you with fire again. 
this morning, if you allow him, God is going to let you hear the call over your life again. This morning, if you allow him, God will reveal his purpose, destiny, and vision for your life. If you allow him, he'll equip you to join the coming revival that is going to sweep this land. This morning, some of you, God's calling you to come off the sidelines and onto the battlefield once again. Friends, I I believe I'm talking to three different groups of people right now. I'm talking to the lost. I'm talking to the one who can't believe that God actually called them. And I'm talking to the ones who who are backslidden and stale and have never told anybody about Jesus. First and foremost, let me speak to the people who were lost this morning. What if Jesus came back in six days? What if Jesus came back in six minutes? What if your life ended when you walked out these doors? What if you pulled on Dean Patrick Road and got T-boned? Would you stand before Jesus knowing that you would hear, Well done, thy good and faithful servant? Or in your heart of hearts, do you know that you would stand before him and hear, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Friend, I I just want to ask you today if you say, I've never made a commitment to serve Jesus. Maybe you made a commitment to serve Jesus six years ago and it lasted about the length of the service you were in. But you walked out those doors and you walked out the same way you walked in. I don't know what your situation is. I can't name it off. There's too many to say. But at the end of the day, you know you're not right with Him. Friend, don't wait one more moment. Don't wait one more second. Don't wait. Today, surrender your life to Him. All across this place with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you say, you know what, preacher? I'm not right with Jesus. If I died today, I'd be in hell. I might have made a confession, but I walked away from him. But today I want to commit or recommit my life to Jesus. I want to make him Lord of my life and I want to know heaven is my home. If that's you all across this place, I'm going to count to three and I just need you to slip your hand up for me. I, I I want you to know that, uh, If you won't raise your hand for him in here, I promise you won't live for him out there. So on the count of three, if that's your heart's cry, just slip your hand up. Nobody looking around. You ready? One, two, three. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you back there. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you back there. I see see all you guys back there. I see you. You can put your hands down. Now, I want to I talk to my people. I want to talk to my Holy Ghost people with every head bowed and every eye closed still. When's the last time you truly told somebody about Jesus? And friend, I'm not talking about Jesus loves you. I'm talking about when's the last time you declared the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and broken person. When's the last time you reached your hand down in the gutter God saved you out of? Because if you've just been in here for the last however long and spoke in tongues and fell out and had yourself a good old time, but you let this world die and go to hell, you have completely missed it. When's the last time? Maybe you've never done it. You need to come to this altar today. One more, one more set of people I want to talk to and then I'm going to open this altar up the messed up, broken, jacked up people like me who believe they've done too much, said too much, been too many places for God to move in your life. I want you to know you're the absolute first person he's called. 
If you're in this place in your heart, you've been living under such condemnation of, man, I wish God had used me, but I just know He can't. Maybe some of you are, are saying, I know God's not called me because I've never heard it. I promise you this morning, if you get serious about the kingdom of heaven, He will show you for the reason you've been created. Each and every person under the sound of my voice was designed for destiny. You were born and bred for greatness. You have a call on your life, friend. That's why He puts you here. You can do what nobody else can do. You can reach people nobody else can reach. So listen, if you raised your hand and said, I need to get right with Jesus, if, if you say, you know what, I've came in here and I've had a lot of Holy Ghost parties, but I, I really haven't been telling people about Jesus. I've missed the purpose of Pentecost. If you're in here and you say, you know what, I've never been called. I don't know what I'm created to do. I don't know what I'm called to do, but I want to find out today. And I want to come to a place where I live under purpose. I want to say this one thing and then I promise you I'm going to open these altars up. I thank God for a spirit-filled youth ministry that when I was 16, I heard the call to preach because I didn't waste my time doing anything else. Let me tell you, friends, the call of God, if it's really on your life, you'll be miserable doing anything else. And I'm here to tell you today, God doesn't want you to waste one second living under a false pretense of purpose. He wants to reveal heavenly purpose and kingdom identity over your life this morning so that you would walk out of this place and know for the reason that you were created. He doesn't want you to live under anything else other than kingdom purpose and heavenly assignment. So if you're lost and need to get saved, if you're Pentecostal and, and you've done all these things but you don't preach the gospel, or if you say, preacher, today I want to know my call, I want to know my purpose, and I want to take part in this, in this great coming revival, I want to live in the purpose of Pentecost. If that's you, lost, you need to have a fire to preach the gospel or you need to hear the call of God on the count of three. I'm just going to invite you to this altar. I promise you that step out of your seat to this altar, freedom will hit you and God will meet you, but it takes a step of faith. So on the count of three, I'm going to invite you up here in, in Abundant Life Church. We're going to go crazy and celebrate. But if that's you on the count of three, just leave your seat. Come to this altar. Are you ready? One, two, three. Come meet me up here. Come meet me up here. Come meet me up here. We pray you were blessed by today's message. For more content and to get to know us better, download our app at AbundantLifeChurch.com.